Hi, I'm Scott Cooper, and this is the 100th episode of the Tales from the Trail podcast by Matchplay. In this episode, Justin Chesham of Christopher Newport University Men's Soccer and I welcome Craig Appleby. Craig is the head coach of men's soccer at Johns Hopkins University. Coach Appleby has been highly successful at a prestigious university, and recruiting the right type of student-athlete is the lifeline to that accomplishment. This is a great conversation with two leaders of perennial tournament teams who recruit and compete at the highest level. If you're enjoying the podcast and find it valuable, please consider visiting buymeacoffee.com matchplay. These small donations collectively help offset costs and other expenses associated with production of the podcast so I can continue to offer this service for free. Please take an extra minute to rate and review the podcast where you listen. This is a huge help. Share the podcast with whomever you think would be interested and will help in their process. Check us out on social media as well. The links can be found at matchplayrecruit.com. Greg, did you uh, did you head out to Anaheim this year to go to the convention? No, I didn't make it. Are you, uh, was- are you one of those that's like, I'm only going to the ones that are a quick drive away? Uh I've been, I've been to, like, went to L.A., uh, so I do go to some of them, but, yeah, I'm finding, you know, you're getting to the age where, you know, you start looking at the rundown of what's being presented, how far away it is, mm-hmm. how much time away from your family or other commitments. So, yeah, this is the this first is- one I missed in a long time, and uh, I don't think I missed it. And I was, I get excited to like, you know, like last year when we hung out together the whole time, stay in the same apartment area or whatever, whatever that setup was, it was a cool setup. Uh, but no, I don't know of anybody that really was going that I was, you know, really close with or anything. So I don't know. I'll try next year. I think it was it Chicago next year. I think so. I think so. I'll be Chicago. Of course, it's freezing cold out there. The one thing I do miss is uh, when we went to LA, I don't know, that was five or six years ago now. That was uh, we went to the comedy club. Uh, what do they call it there? The not the comedy cellar. What's the one in L.A. called? Oh, the store. The store, store. The comedy store. Man, that is that's an experience. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot. My my face was hurting at the end of the night from laughing. Yeah. I wish I had found that. Uh, I went to so the South Carolina uh, ECNL event recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I went out. I, I got there, went out to get something to eat Friday night. I think it was Friday night. And I was walking back to the hotel, and there was a comedy zone there. And it had the thing out saying uh, <clears throat> live. It was the live mic night. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'll just check it out. Uh, wasn't so great. I wasn't <laughs> live. Those guys aren't professionals, huh? Uh, yeah, they're still working on a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's uh it's cool when you go to the big so i've been to both the cellar and the store new york's and la's and uh it's funny you'll see people like that guy was in a movie i saw i so you'll see people that are kind of recognizable and uh some of them are just rolling out their best stuff to get laughs while other ones are testing things and i got a buddy that lives in uh in brooklyn and he he goes to the the cellar all the time and he says that there's every once in a while like oh wow he's just just showed up to to test you know five minutes ten minutes of material it's like wow that's that's pretty cool that's an interesting lifestyle those guys live it's an interesting lifestyle yeah i imagine it's hard to be 
discipline. Yeah. And that, <laughs> you know, discipline with your body, your health and mm-hmm. sleep and all that stuff. Yeah, they have to be night owls. Uh, I have a hard time. I remember my, my coaching days with the club. Yeah. You're on your way home at like nine o'clock at night. It's not like you're swinging into Whole Foods and picking up some kale and you know, you're, you're like, <laughs> no. oh, okay, Wendy's is open. Let's do this. You know, so yeah. uh, Taco yeah, Bell, Wendy's, McDonald's. Oh yeah, oh yeah, the club coach life. Well, well look, uh, it's good to see you here. Um, I remember, I guess the last time we saw each other was down in Greer. Um, so we're, uh, we're we, this is a cool podcast we've been doing. We've been talking to a, a lot of fun people, and um, it started as mainly a recruiting tool for people, the scouting tool, so people can jump on. Here, coach is actually talking about things. Scott's done a great job of finding other people to put on here that are not necessarily college coaches, but it relates to the college game, and it's uh, it's turning into a pretty cool thing. And so uh, I'm excited you're on here. You you're at a different place than seeing you, Johns Hopkins, even though we're we're going to compete. We're going to play each other the whole nine yards, but your recruiting is vastly different than mine and uh, your timeline's different than mine. And so it's, it's good to get a different perspective out here. And so the kids that are listening to it can be like, Oh, this is what, this is how I can end up at a Johns Hopkins or a similar school versus going to like a Christopher Newport or William and Mary. And so, um, you know, one of the things I've noticed you saying, I want to kick off this way is you talked about how difficult it is to get specifically into Johns Hopkins, but, you know, you're in a great conference at Centennial. Most of the schools are really strong academic schools, similar to Hopkins. And, uh, you know, you're you're kind of similar to those NESCACs and Ivy League schools. So if you don't mind, kind of talk about not only how difficult it is to get into a Johns Hopkins, but what it's like to get into those schools in general and what's what's your best advice for those kids trying to get into those super high academic places? Well, I know it's a loaded just, one hour answer there. So uh, we're yeah. just going to sign off here. Just let us know when you're finished. Okay. <laughs> Start off, I, I wouldn't have been anywhere close as a student athlete getting into any one of these institutions, but, uh, you know, high academic institutions, the best advice is to, to max out everything best you can leave, leave, leave everything open. So you have as many choices as possible. Uh, what does that mean? Well, to maximize, you do the best you can on your test scores, uh, and and to maximize the 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 highest level classes you can take at the school, uh, which would be regarded as rigor, and to to pop in A's in all those classes. Um, <clears throat> different different. Academic schools have, and and feel free to to chime in here because this has a this might have a tendency to wander all over the place. Um, but uh, in regards to support, there will be academic schools that give support, but the level of support is different for each institution. Um, some support will be able to pull in uh, student athletes that may be a little bit below. Uh, the academic range of a typical admit, and then there'd be some schools that that don't do that. Uh, I've said before on other podcasts that we have a certain pocket that uh, Hopkins operates in, and our support still is in that pocket. You you can't get somebody outside of that pocket. Um, But does our support help? It does help. I think MIT might have support, but it, it 
in my conversations with those coaches, it doesn't seem like their support has quite as much weight as ours. But Greg, when you but, uh, when you say support, you're talking about getting into the school, right? Yes. Yeah, not while you're already there. So like here at CNU, uh, the academic standard to get in as a student's one thing, but as a as an athlete, we might be able to get you in maybe at a lower standard. I mean, that's uh, kind of what you're talking about there. And at at Johns Hopkins, though, you got to get in there. There's no like there's no wiggle room, is what you're saying. Correct. Yeah, uh, I, I would say you know. The, Within the pocket that Hopkins usually uh, pulls or accepts from, they also are denying a ton of people in that pocket. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, when we recruit, we have to find people in that pocket, but our support, if it's in that pocket, is pretty solid. Okay. Uh, it's just that our support to try to pull somebody outside, underneath the pocket, into the pocket, doesn't really happen. But I, I would think, like, the Ivy Leagues have their supports that uh, they're going to be able to get guys in that they just applied themselves. Uh, most of them wouldn't get in or, or a good number of them won't get in. I won't say most of them. Uh, I think the NESCACs have their bands. So they have A bands, B bands and C bands where the C bands would be uh, student athletes that typically don't get into those institutions with the, uh, and this is me speaking like somebody from the NESCAC may go, no, Craig's wrong about this, but uh, this is just my uh, gathering the information I've gotten. I'd say the B bands also are, would be very iffy at a NESCAC by themselves, but a B band supported is uh, going to get you in at a NESCAC. An what? A band, I think I th how I perceive it, an A band would be somebody who would who would typically get in on their own. So each of those schools have different levels of how many A bands they get, how many Bs, how many Cs they get. And that would probably be the uh, griping point for those NESCAC schools. Yeah, uh, I've noticed uh, the very high academics. You'll see, you know, especially in the Division One world, you'll see a very high academic school and you'll say, how did that kid end up there? And uh, you'll see different types of support for sports. It's like, well, look, we we have this excellent academic rigor, but we also want to win. And uh, so we will have a cushion. We'll have a buffer where, okay, we'll let you have some kids that probably would not have gotten in here. And then going once they're there, they're going to have a ton of support to, to make sure that we can graduate these young guys and girls. And, uh, you know, they're not affecting our academic situation here. They're still great students that go off and get great jobs and, uh, I mean, there's definitely plenty of stories like that. Um, it seems like at Hopkins, though, there there isn't much wiggle room. I mean, I, I remember the few times that we've talked about it. Uh, I mean, they're probably you're not getting a lot of kids. I mean, it seems like it seems like you know, why don't you talk about that, exactly what type of standard is it just to get into a place like Hopkins? Uh, well, uh, you can Google JHU uh, by the numbers, which would bring up, uh, I think, uh, data from two years ago, which will be kind of similar. Uh, with it, we'll give you stats like uh, our 50% median is a 15-10. You know, that's an average, but I'd say that's that's kind of the number you want to aim for. It uh, doesn't mean if you get that number, you're going to be accepted. There's, that's just one piece of the the academic puzzle that uh, admissions takes into account. Uh, GPAs, 
there's no telling. But, you know, when we go to tournaments and look at profile books and what GPAs are listed, a lot goes into a GPA like uh, rigor, you know, right. what, what types of classes you're taking. Um, <clears throat> obviously, you want to get A's in all those classes. Do people get in here without all A's? Yes. Uh, but uh, I wouldn't say it adds strength to your CV if you have uh, B's uh, on your resume. So, um, you know, obviously you want to max out that and and make sure you're getting the, the, the highest grade you can. Um, so Scott, if you and I were to add our GPA and SAT together, we we might be able to take some classes. That, uh, no, no. It'd yeah. be close. It'd be close. <laughs> yeah, not if we rely on me. I mean, it definitely would be, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know where I'd go these days. Like, <laughs> it'd be pretty tough to go anywhere. I'd be in the same boat. <laughs> Greg, uh, you, you, uh, you know, Dan on the women's side, of course, is a good buddy of mine. I've talked to him about this a lot. You guys do uh, specific camps that are, you know, created specifically for kids that are very, very high academic achieving kids, where the the only staffs that are invited there are similar schools to Johns Hopkins and and these NESCACs and the Centennials like we've discussed. Um, how critical are those camps? And, uh, you know, what, what, are, what are they like for you in the process? Are you, uh, uh, just to clarify, are you talking about our individual camps or the ones we go to? Uh, well, I guess, yes, both. Uh, you know, your camp, of course, you would hope that a kid isn't signing up with a below a 3-0 trying to go to Hopkins. But uh, I know that, like, you know, like Soccer Masters and some of these other camps where, I would imagine everybody there is very competitive academically and you have a chance at all of them versus comparing it to like this weekend, you're going to go into the ECNL showcase down in Florida and 90% of the kids there probably can't get into Johns Hopkins. So it's just, you go to one event and everybody there's competitive versus the other event where while they might be good students, they just can't, you know, they, they only have a four to 1400, they can't get in, you know? So, uh, you know, what, what are those camps like? How important are they for you? And I mean, do you do a lot of your work there? Yeah, they're very important for for us. Um, And I'd say, yes, first and foremost would be our own individual camp where you're, and we do bring in a few uh, coaches. Uh, Most of them have similar academic institutions, but uh, yeah, they're mostly coming for us. It's our camp. So so we, we have a pretty good idea that all the kids that we're looking at at that camp uh, if we like them, they would also be interested in us. Uh, soccer masters is also important for us. Uh, the staff they put together are all very high academic institutions. And so the kid you get is kind of, uh, uh, very much suited for what we're looking for. Uh, there'll be IVs, there'll be, uh, you know, high like stanford or high academic institutions on the division one level that 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 helps us in a way that it it might bring some kids that are just thinking those schools at the time um and so if if we can be there and uh keep tabs on those guys and if they don't get into like the ivies or uh their dream of playing at those high academic d1 institutions that's a that's a good place for us to be to to wind up you know waiting for those guys to kind of fall out of the tree right 
So, yeah, I, I, soccer masters is, is, I mean, we, we quite, quite often, often have players, players there, there that um, uh, that come to us. I got some sort of uh, loop back where I was getting yeah, echo. That too. Was... Is it okay now? So far. Okay. Sounds I'm gonna good. let's pause for one second. I'm gonna try something. Uh, that didn't work. Okay. It's not what I Sounds thought. Sounds okay at the moment. Okay. All right. I'll edit that out. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Uh, sorry, interrupt you guys. I think no, we finished up good. there. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I want to jump into um, the financials, of course. So, um, you know, a lot of the schools that we're talking about, you know, they're not, not exactly cheap. And to assume that everybody's going to go in there and pay full is is a big ask. What uh, what is the process like at a Hopkins? And maybe you could speak on you know maybe the centennial. You compared notes with those guys a little bit, but what's it like on finding out how much money you can get as uh, you know through fast forward through all of your financial aid stuff that you guys do? What what does that look like for you? What's what's the timeline look like so these kids can get an answer before they commit to saying yes or no? Uh, well, the one, uh, Michael Bloomberg came in, man, I, I want to say it was, uh, 2018. I should know this. Uh, but bef uh, he, he gave $1.8 billion to Hopkins and it, that money. And, and it's funny how people go around and go like, yeah, he gave a billion dollars. Right. And I go, yeah, I wish I could just easily dismiss the point eight billion. Uh, right, right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but yeah, that money went to financial aid, and and before that, we would often gap uh, student athletes. Uh, and, and I remember one time there was a there was a kid from uh, Mississippi, six three, could play every position. Nobody knew about him. <laughs> um, and uh, what we gave compared to, and uh, the deal was his whole family was going to Harvard. He, he was going there, uh, but if he didn't uh, get in, he was coming to us and uh, he got deferred early action. So I was like, okay, it's us, right? And he was like, uh, sorry, coach, but uh, Northwestern gave me $20,000. And we didn't give them anywhere close. Like it yeah. was, it was very bad. Like the difference, um, and and so we lost them. And uh, but since then, with the the money that the Bloomberg gave, we don't gap anymore. So their EFC or, or their financial read that comes back, we we meet that. And since then, that's been, you know, very few people have given me the excuse of I can't afford it. It does happen sure. from time to time. But before then, that was one of the higher excuses of why we would lose somebody, right. which was cost. And so you have to kind of, you know, talk them through, you know, investing in their own and in, in themselves, you know, that it, 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 it is worth the money, 
and, but it is quite a, a chunk or a financial hit up front. Right. Um, <clears throat> but as we go down the uh, kind of recruiting timeline, yeah, we'll go out, we see you, either we, we get some interest through email or we go out and see you, we like you. Uh, and then we're going to try to find out one, if you can get in and two, if you can afford it, uh, we're mostly concerned with the, uh, can you get in piece? But, uh, you know, we do direct them towards the, uh, the financial aid estimator. Uh, and if they fill that out correctly, they will get uh, a good idea of, uh, where they stand for the, the next year, if they were to commit. Hopkins rarely makes uh, big jumps in their uh, tuition. So at the max, it, you know, it's typically only increased by like a thousand. Mm. Uh, so there isn't a big jump from year to year that would uh, make a major change between what you would see on that financial aid calculator and what you would expect if you got admitted. Um, you mentioned this Bloomberg guy. Do you happen to have his cell phone number? Maybe he could uh, reach out about donating to CNU. It doesn't have to be 1.8, but maybe something similar. Yeah. I don't know I, if you have I, a cell. <laughs> I, wish I, I wish I did. Does that guy even have a cell phone? I mean. He shouldn't. I'm sure he has something. Yeah. I have a, I have a bit of a complaint about that. I mean, he could have shaken 200, grand, 200 million more out of his couch probably. And made it an even two. Instead of round up there. What was going on? Come on, man. Some sort of tax cut. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, I do. I uh, what? What's the other part? What? What's the? Uh, what's your timeline look like? I mean, you know, some. I, I've talked to kids where, um, you know, they they were looking at like a University of Chicago was the last guy I talked to, and you know, Chicago was like, no, we we wrapped up. We have to because we have this. You know, we have a date, you know, we, these kids accepted by a certain date and it's, you know, significantly earlier than majority of the division three world and a lot of division ones. Uh, so what, what's it like for you guys? And maybe how's that compared to the rest of Centennial? Uh, I think the Centennial, we might not be similar to, uh, a lot of the Centennial, uh, we might be, I mean, some of them we are, but, uh, we don't have rolling emissions and there's a few centennial schools that do have rolling emissions, which means, you know, they can take somebody in. I, you know, I don't know how far rolling goes, but I've typically heard that rolling emissions uh, can take somebody pretty close to preseason yep. uh, for us. Uh, the timeline would be like currently uh, we're out to go recruiting. The 24 class is pretty much, uh, seen and located and we might be waiting to see what what will happen with regular decision uh we got two guys that applied regular decision it's very difficult to get into regular decision so uh if they get in great but uh the, the, you know it's very hard so <laughs> we'll see what happens um <clears throat> so right now we're heading out to kind of get more info on our 25 class. So this through the winter tournament scene uh, and uh, recruiting scene, we're basically trying to get a lock on the, the next class 
uh, that is coming up. So that would currently be the 25 class. And um, so we'll we'll start getting some ideas on guys and info, but the real movement won't happen till like July 1st is when we can start submitting uh, some information to admissions for them to get back to us on how they read those student athletes and, and their admissibility. Uh, through that, if, if it's, if it's extremely positive, we can move pretty fast to try to lock them up. Uh, it's rare to be extremely positive. Uh, if it comes back in, in the middle area, then, then now we're, we're keeping a conversation uh we're talking through you know you know where they stand with us the the gamble that it might be in terms of uh going early decision or early decision two and where they see us if they see us number one then then maybe they want the to uh apply early decision and and see what happens um and and for us we have early decision one Typically, the, the deadline date for that is November 1st, and you would uh, receive your uh, notification as to whether you got admitted or not, or deferred, uh, typically around December 13th, 12th, 14th, 15th, or something like that. Then we have an early decision two. Uh, the deadline for that is usually the same deadline as regular decision. You're just clarifying whether you're going to apply regular decision or early decision two. Uh, early decision two will get a confirmation or their their notification of uh, their status. Hmm. I, I want to say mid February, mid to third week in February. Whereas regular decision is not going to find that out until uh, end of March, beginning of April. Uh, That's uh, pretty late. Yeah. 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 So ideally for for schools like us, we want to know what our class will be. To to have that happen, early decisions really where we're pushing our recruits because if they go early decision, they get in, we know they're coming. Regular decision flips it in that if they get accepted we're usually waiting around to see you know what that student athlete is going to do because uh they're usually waiting for ivies or some other schools they want to see what all their results come back and then they'll make the decision so that puts the coach in a waiting game not really sure what's going to happen and and you could get stuck not filling. We we have a certain roster limit, uh, and it's typically 28. Um, but if we're waiting around for too many regular decision candidates, we could get stuck at uh, not using two of those spots and, and be like at 26 or 27 and not maximized our recruiting for our team. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely not ideal. Why? Uh, what is the Johns Hopkins reason for your roster limit? Uh, Title nine, size of school. Size all of school is what I thought was going to be the main. Yeah. yeah. All, all the, I mean, we have a lot of sports, and we have a lot of big sports as well. So, um, you know, I, I, I know title nine. Title nine is my answer. It, it might not be the correct answer, but uh, yeah, I think. We have to 
we have to keep our roster at a certain size because of that. And you also have a, a, a different animal than most of us. I mean, only a couple of you guys have this, but you have a division one sport, uh, you know, on campus. Well, like three, right? Is it three sports? Is it just one? Well, it, it's men and women's lacrosse, but not field hockey, correct? No, field no, hockey is okay. division. So three. men's women's lacrosse are division one, and so, um, yeah, that's that's a weird animal, of course, that you guys have to fight. We were just out of Colorado this year, and their women's soccer team, and they also have ice hockey, are both division one. Uh, the rest of it's division three, and. Um, yeah, what what's what's that relationship like? What uh, was it like having a, a completely different animal? Of course, they're also really good. I mean, Johns Hopkins at the top of the Division One world too for lacrosse. So, what what is that like? What's the relationship there? Relationship's good. Um, you know i I don't really I don't really see it as anything different. You know, good. Uh, the difference would be how many people show up for the games. The difference might be, I mean, there are plus de- plus side of the difference is that uh, the very well known Hopkins is very well known for the lacrosse program. It's basically like the lacrosse program mm-hmm. in history. Uh, and the Hall of Fame used to be here on campus. It's now moved uh, uh, a little further north to get more space. Uh, tours used to come through all the time. I still think, uh, you know, uh, teams bring, uh, their young athletes by because the Hopkins name and lacrosse is such a, a high regarded name. Uh, and with that comes some benefit of like Under Armour really wanted us involved, uh, with them. So I, I think without the lacrosse piece would Under Armour be you know, wanting us as strongly as mm-hmm. as they do, maybe not, uh, but it definitely feels like a benefit. Uh, um, so I, I think Hopkins gets, it certainly has a strong reputation academically, but I think uh, the reputation that Hopkins has in lacrosse also helps us uh, department-wide as well. Do you have as nice of an office as uh, those head coaches? Uh, I, I, I would say no, because they have a, a nice view. Uh, I have been, uh, I, I have a decent office. I have a roomy office, which, uh, some other coaches have been, uh, ogling, but, uh, but no, I mean, yes, they have a nice, uh, building. It overlooks a field. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm in what I call a little dungeon with no windows. But uh, no. maybe maybe Bloomberg can help us out in that regard as well. Get a can knock a couple walls out over there. I'll, I'll see if I, I'll, I'll I'll send them a note. <laughs> see if we can expand the. <laughs> if we can get the offices on top of the building, so we can overlook the field, that would be good. That's that's that'd be golden. Craig, um, you obviously are dealing with a lot of high achievers, and we've kind of joked, you know that. You know, we we definitely couldn't have gotten into Hopkins, much less a lot of other schools um, back in our day. But um, talk about, you know, just dealing with, you know, the stress levels that these kids face and, and just a different academic rigor, maybe, than, than a lot of student athletes face as they head off to college and, and just dealing with kind of that, the culture of, 
you know, what the school is and where these kids will be four years after you get them. Right. Well, one, Hopkins won't let in somebody who would fail here. So the the student athlete that gets in here can handle it. Could we handle it? No. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, But they can. Uh, And so um, it's tough. It's not easy. The month of October is uh, difficult because, you know, say, okay, it's midterms and you would think midterms last for a week, but no, it asks for four weeks. And so um, they really have to be masters of their time. Uh, uh, I've had maybe in the course of 16 years, five to seven guys that, that, okay, your GPA is not, not where I think you want it or where we want it. So let's, let's have discussions about that. We'd meet once a week. And every time it was time management, when they come in and say, I just don't have time to do this or do that. And when they actually give me their schedule on a spreadsheet and I see that like they're waking up at 10 AM, <laughs> I've I found the gap. Yeah. And you you okay. usually can find those gaps that it, you can't be, you can't mismanage your time here. You can't be playing Fortnite or call of duty or whatever. Uh, you can do it. If you manage it, you, you set a time for it, going to spend 30 minutes playing it, but it can't be the fill in the gap of everything, the escape to stress or anything like that. You've got to take care of business. And uh, if you take care of business, you'll be fine. We do have sometimes, you know, uh, uh, new players right after the season, they also have a uh, a little bit of adjustment because the, the time they, they've uh, plugged in for soccer is now wide open and how you fill it uh, you can get lost and open up the can of worms where you don't fill it it becomes fortnight time or whatever time and that blends into more time of uh, undisciplined uh, structure and that can snowball unless you 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 take some accountability and set up that time and don't let it run away from you. But we usually get on the guys to, to make sure that that doesn't happen. We also have, we also have the other issue that happens is if a high school hasn't challenged, if you have a particularly bright individual that hasn't been challenged by their school and they can, because of that, they, they're not sharp. They can uh, cram the night before a test, to ace a test, no problem. What are we talking about? Uh, and then they come here and think they can do the same thing, and, and they get smacked in the face with that. Uh, chance. Yeah, there's no chance you're going to cram the night before a test and, and do well here. You're going to have to stay up with the notes, stay up with the lectures, do the work that's given to, to, to be fine here. Well, and that's fantastic advice for, I mean, all schools. You're you're obviously at the the top there, but uh, I mean, that's the same holds true for all the other schools. I mean, most schools are on the same level where they're like, well, we're not going to bring a kid in that can't study here. But they're, you know, the biggest difference is you're not underneath your mom and dad's household anymore. You don't have this crazy schedule where it's from seven o'clock in the morning until two two thirty in the afternoon, and then you have high school practice and club practice, and you come home and 
I mean, your, your free time's incredible. I remember when I was a, a player and as soon as the season ended, I didn't know what to do with myself. You know, I was an early riser. I took like eight or nine o'clock classes and uh, I had a break before practice. We practiced at three and um, and then I would train and then I'd go home and do my thing or whatever. And uh, once that went away, once the soccer went away and I was home at like 10 o'clock in the morning and the rest of my day was over, man, that was that was the that was the hardest part of college for me. I had to like figure out what to do at that time. It was so easy to say, oh, I'll just do it later. And then later it'll be in 10 o'clock at night and you're like, you haven't even started yet. And uh, uh, that's where you'll see, I mean, we've had kids come in, get a little bit of academic money. And uh, next thing you know, they're on academic suspension or probation immediately. And it's 100% for what you just talked about. They didn't take care of their free time. And that free time really opens up, especially for a freshman that has never experienced this before. It's really tough to adjust that first Monday after your season's over and you turned in all your gear and you don't have anything to do with soccer anymore. And all of a sudden you're just a student for the next few weeks until finals roll around. Yeah. That's uh, that's an eye opener for a lot of kids. It really is. And uh, I mean, it's, it's true everywhere. I mean, even, even at not, not as good a place as on Johns Hopkins, it is very true there as well. Right. Yeah, I want to, sure. I want to shift gears a little bit here. Uh, you and I chatted a little bit about it. I actually watched your Babson game. So I don't want to like any Babson fans here, you know, might be opening up some wounds there, but that was awesome to watch. It really was. I thought it was like, I remember thinking to myself like, man, that is a beautiful D3 right there. That is what I love to see. Uh, just a little backdrop. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys were down two late in regulation, scored two to tie it. You can maybe fill in the blanks on the, the timing there. And then you go into overtime we're only in year two, I think year two or three of the overtime rules changing where it's not golden goal. So you go down again in overtime and then you guys scored two goals in the last, what was it like two, three minutes to win the game? Oh, what a game, man. It was so fun to watch. I don't know if you want to fill in the fill in the gaps there. That was fun. Yeah. I uh when the game was over, I must have said ten times that that just happened. Uh <laughs> I, I've been around the game probably, I mean, coaching-wise, getting close to in between 25, 30 years. Um, and, yeah, I've never experienced anything like that. Uh, we, we started off the game. Uh, typical for us, if we, if we can set up our control, I, I feel pretty comfortable. Then it's just finding the way through to get the chances. And I felt like we were doing that. Uh, but uh, they made the decision to play one of their better players, who's this huge kid. Uh, we scouted him. He was playing center back. Um, but uh, they showed up playing target forward against us. And, like, he was a lot – like, the his, his rib cage was a barrel. Like, the thing was huge. Uh, so he's just a, this massive guy, and uh, they caught us. Uh, it, it was a, a, a big ball that came. It looked like my, my uh, center back was in the right position, uh, but then as the ball bounced and he took a jump, uh, you know, the guy came in and, and put his shoulder on him, all, per, all perfectly legal, and uh, kind of moved him out of the way. Had an open shot. Now we're down one nothing. Okay, that's not great, but I, I still think we have a good part of the play, so we should be able to get back. 
Uh, and then, honestly, and I, I admire everybody who can pull out every little detail <laughs> of things. Uh, I, the, the second goal eludes me. I'm sure it's a, a free kick goal because it seems like that's uh, we gave up probably eight of the goal, 80% of the goals we gave up were uh, set-piece goals. Um, I think that's what it was. It got floated over and, and, and nobody really dealt with it and, and was put in. So now we're down, down two, nothing. This all uh, the first half. When, when was yeah. the score two, nothing? Yeah. It was first half. Okay. Uh, and, and, and also my mind blurs between the Babson game and the Middlebury game, because the Middlebury game I thought was going to end the same way. Uh, in that, okay, they go up two nothing, and we're battling back, and or we're going to score late, and we were getting chances like crazy late against them as well. So, the the I, I can't remember the Babson second goal, uh, but yes, we uh, second half. Um, I think we had worn them down a bit with our style of play. They're up two nothing, so they're also. In, in the mindset of just protecting that, seeing if they can get that third, but not overloading it to try over committing to try to getting it. So that gave us a little bit of a, a foundation to set up our attack and, and get repetitions in the attack. And um, yeah, it was, uh, was the first one I think came into uh, Griffin received it. They overcommitted, so then he just spun and, and hit it upper ninety, um, and so all right, it's uh, two to one. We we feel like okay, we got a chance, and then uh, what? <laughs> wow, uh, I I'm remembering Max's goal, which was it's crazy because it came in. Uh, to one of their center backs, he's standing on like just inside the six. Uh, and most of the people are standing there and looking, but uh, Aiden Dumphy, who's playing a, a 10 for us, comes in and pressures him. And he had done this a few times where we scored these goals because people freak out because he's so active and comes and pressures them. So he comes running up and, and they see him first instead of finding the ball. And then as they go to find the ball, they look down and like half kick it with their heel out to the side. And then Max just kind of flings at it, pops it in, um, <clears throat> which ties it up. And then uh, we go to OT. Well, hold, hold on, hold on. Before you go to OT, uh, the coach and me needs to know what you said at halftime. I mean, was it, was it, I mean, I, I never mind. I'm out. I'm out of the way. What did you say at halftime? I, at halftime, I, I just saying, you know, basically we were controlling the game. So like the opportunity, and we had missed some opportunities as well. The keeper came up with a lot of good saves. I so the chances were there. So it wasn't like we were in a game struggling to generate anything. It was there. We just had to remind them that when we get to those moments, it just takes one to put it in to start getting the feeling that we can get this game back. And and that's what happened. Um, there was a point in the second half where I, uh, I switched 
and uh, eliminated a midfielder to add a forward. And then we actually, again, this is blurs between Middlebury and Babson because it actually, how it lined up, we were going in the same directions at the same time, trying to get the same result. So in one of those games, I know I went man-to-man in the back yeah. uh, just to take take the risk, add an extra attacker, um, and, and yeah, it panned out. I, I, going back to the Babson game, though, that third goal they got, <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I, I, it's similar to, you know, if anybody, I, I know you know this because we talked about this, but it's similar to Rowan's game last year against Stevens Tech. Uh, the double post. Yeah, the double yep. post that they called a goal that physically can't happen. <laughs> Uh, and I, I told Scott, man, uh, I feel bad for him because if I were in that spot, I, I don't know how I'd handle it. And right. so a similar situation happened in the Babson game in that they had gotten down uh, they had gotten down deep into the corner, but it was so deep that the keeper's in a good position. It, it would be very hard to score anything from there. But they had a runner running late coming into the middle in front of the goal but we had a guy in great position in front of him and the Babson player just took off for him and uh, took him down. And so our guy's down out of the play, they pass it to the guy and he taps it in and the, the ref is right there. He's right on top of it. And so I'm going livid going to like, you need to explain to me like what just happened. And he's like, yeah, I, I just saw that as incidental contact. And if you if you go back and look at the video, the guy the guy's running looking at the ball. Then he looks to see what he has in terms of space. He sees our guy in good position, and he speeds up. He he sees him. He speeds up to go at him, and then yeah. takes him out. Like uh, uh, it's not a shoulder to shoulder charge. It's like shoulder into the middle of his back. Take him down. And then it's just an easy goal. So I'm livid. Thankfully, I didn't like go too crazy. And you know, uh, you had another game to coach. Yeah. And so yeah, we got uh, we got the third goal back, and then uh, you know, it's like thirty the, seconds later, wasn't it? You got the the next the winner. Yeah, I think it was like one one minute and something, like yeah. one minute and twenty seconds, or something like that. Yeah. Awesome. And we got it. Uh, and, yeah, we were exhausted. Coming <laughs> coming off the field, I was like – and I had watched Scouted Middlebury. Uh, they played before us. Um, and they got up 2-0 fairly early. Sats uh, of people. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know if they did, but the game wasn't fast, right? It, uh, you know, there was a time there, one of their uh, top players, St. Louis, had the ball. And he was kind of like standing on it with a defender, very cautious because he's very fast and strong and physical. And the defender was like, you know, if he gets even a little bit on me, I won't be able to recover it. So he's being very cautious about it. But none of his teammates were coming to help him. So St. Louis was just standing there with the ball like, okay, right, we can just hang out here until you make a move. And that guy wasn't moving. So it's like, and, and that's a lot of the play was just 
slow enough that I thought Middlebury was in a much, much better position than us, sure. who, who was crawling off the field after the Bob, Babson game. Well, and talk about a difference. I mean, for the second half and two overtimes, that's 65 minutes of you chasing a game. You were down that entire time, really. I mean, uh, other than maybe, what, 10 minutes total at, at the very end of the first half and at the end of uh, – or at, at the end of the second half and at the end of uh, overtime. And so where you were tied and then you were only winning at the very, very end. And so, you know, the demand on your body and the, the boys that you – yeah, on the field. I mean, you were you were sending everything forward. You weren't even thinking about why well, need to be be ready for tomorrow. You were thinking why well, need to get to tomorrow, and uh, that's that's definitely difficult. I wonder if one day in the future they're going to give us the same thing they're giving uh, the Final Four and give that mandatory day off each weekend and just play Friday Sunday. Uh, I know that all of us coaches would be unanimously uh, agreeing to that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a big fan of that, but. That's a that's another conversation, I'm sure. But um, well, moving forward, uh, how's it how's it looking for next season? What do you uh, what's your outlook? You know, I'm sure you got a tough schedule again. You know, what what uh, what's it look like for you guys? Well, we're we'll, we're still uh, seeing what's going to happen with our class. Uh, I think we we missed a a spot or two that we're going to have to wait and see with uh, the transfers, what happens. Um, so we're still waiting on that. We feel like we've got a, a solid pool that we're looking at from that. Um, I'm loving the the rule change where we have more days in the spring. Oh, yeah. Um, and so um, we've actually already started. Uh, and uh, we're going to go uh, like two days uh, a week. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I, I'm looking very much forward to to that time to be able to because you know during the season, it's it's all about management. Like right. you do a lot of stuff in the preseason to try to set like uh, tactical knowledge and catch everybody up. But uh, really, in the spring, I find is is the best time to work on more and more tactical uh, content to upload that. When you're not thinking game, 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 you have a, a, a lot of space to to introduce these concepts and work on them and, and develop them. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the fall, but I uh, right now I'm looking forward to the spring. And uh, we'll we end up playing Loyola, Maryland uh, early in April. So we'll see how the spring goes at that point. Yeah, that's such a good point. Uh, you know, in the fall – once you're in the meat of the season, uh, you get maybe a, a day a week where you don't have a game the next day or you didn't just have a game the night before. And, uh, you know, a, a day after a game, it's not a get after a day. Usually it's a recovery. Maybe you played six, seven, eight guys, 90 minutes, you know, and so you you probably aren't even using them. And then, uh, then if you did that on a, a Thursday after a Wednesday game and Friday – well, I'm playing Johns Hopkins the next day. I'm only preparing to go try to play Johns Hopkins. I, I'm not developing the bottom half of my roster at all. My focus is on trying to beat you guys. And uh, when you get into the middle of the season, that is – that's a huge chunk. I'd say probably 75% of your season is recovering from a game or getting ready for the next game and uh, not as much of an emphasis on development. And you're 100% correct. I'm looking forward to these extra days and – I've already kind of circled, like, I think this guy can help us. He didn't in the fall. 
we need to really we're going to coach the the mess out of this kid we're going to teach him a bunch of things and the guy ahead of him was an all region kid or whatever he's gone so now we could really give this guy the the, the lion's share of minutes and he'll play the whole William and Mary game for us and that's that's huge I mean it's such a big big jump big advantage for us I'm so glad we get the extra days I hope we get maybe an extra game or two as well I mean you get to play Loyola but I'd love to come up and play you guys as well, get something on film and then go play William and Mary. And, you know, my prep for William and Mary is playing my alums and uh, that ain't exactly the same type of competition. So uh, yeah, we could use a couple more games, but I'm definitely happy they gave us more. That's uh, it's, it's going to be great for the boys. Same here. Yeah. Beggars can't be choosers, but yeah, next step would be to uh, get one or two more games in the spring even if it's just one day and it would take it out of my practice days it's like all right you know like one of my 24 days i i have to sacrifice it for a game i I would do it in a heartbeat so so it's not like it's an extra it's no extra work it may be uh, an extra cost to hop on a bus but that could be an institutional decision cool you got anything else cheese no i mean Craig and I see each other on the recruiting trail all the time. And uh, uh, it's funny how it is. I mean, we're highly competitive guys. We play against each other. But, uh, I mean, we've talked about recruiting a ton. We've sat down next to each other or called each other about players. And, uh, you know, it's 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 interesting how it works. You know, it's a, it's a small world, the, the coaching world. Um, you know, Craig and I uh, never really talked or anything. And now all of a sudden we're going to the convention together because Dan's a common proponent of ours and we're – you know, we're all hanging out, having a few beers, just uh, shooting the bull. It's it's a it's a fun world, it's a fun environment. And I've enjoyed chatting with Craig about players, and we've talked about these transfers. Actually, he's mentioning a couple. I'm like, yeah, they were in on my, they were on campus with me too, and they're they're visiting Craig next week. And uh, you know, so we fight over those guys a little bit. But you know, other than the 90 minute games, I you know, it's it's super friendly. It's a it's a fun it's a fun environment, fun job. Craig, are you finding? Um success with the transfer portal and you with you guys or is it uh how does the standard change at all to get a tra- uh, transfer in versus a freshman uh well the, there's two different types of transfers uh that you would think about uh right now because of covid everybody has this will be the last year where everybody that was in college during COVID has a COVID waiver. And so, uh, yeah, typically we're out looking at the portal for regular transfers uh, and they would be applying obviously to our undergrad school, but the grad transfers or the ones with the COVID waivers would be transferring to grad schools. So each, each school, operates with their own emissions department basically for grad schools. And so we just go, yeah, we're interested. Good luck. And tell us if you get in. Um, And I think depending on the school depends on how tough it is to get in. Uh, There's schools that, yeah, that ain't going to happen. And there's schools like, okay, like if you go there, I think we got a good chance. Right. Um, And for regular transfers, um, yeah, I think it's about the same. Uh, uh, well, one it's very difficult to transfer if you're a freshman, uh, to transfer here in between your freshman and sophomore year, because, um, 
students here are required to live on campus their freshman and sophomore year. So in order for somebody to transfer in, there actually has to be a bed open. And that means people have to transfer out. And some do, I'm sure, but not many. Right. Not, ma- not many at all. So uh, those get those spots can fill up immediately, which would make that extremely competitive. Um, and then, uh, but sophomore to junior year, junior year, you, you live off campus. So they don't have to have a bed for you. And I find, yeah, it's, it's a little bit easier to, to work with a, a transfer that is a sophomore looking to come in and be a junior. Cool. Um, Cheese, you got anything else? No, that's it. Uh, Greg, keep an eye on my guys down there in Florida, okay? You know? Okay. Then give right. us your list. Yeah, right. I can <laughs> <could> do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Craig, can't thank you enough for coming on. I know we've talked about it for a little while now, so I'm glad it finally happened. And um, I'd have to drive up to Baltimore and see you and Dan say hi. So um, really appreciate yeah, it. I'll, I'll hop in the car with you, Scott. All right, let's good, do it. Good trip. Sounds cool. good. We'll Happy go to see have him. you. We'll go I'm see sure Dan's got some food marked out somewhere for us to go. <laughs> yeah, tell him we said hi. It was good seeing you, Greg. We'll do. Take care, guys. Thanks, Greg. Thank you for listening to the Tales from the Trail podcast by Matchplay. If you're enjoying the podcast and find it valuable, please consider visiting buymeacoffee.com slash matchplay. These small donations collectively help offset costs and other expenses associated with production of the podcast so I can continue to offer this service for free. Please take an extra minute to rate and review the podcast where you listen. This is a huge help. Share the podcast with whomever you think would be interested and will help in their process. Check us out on matchplayrecruit.com for our social media links. See you on the trail.